These su suggestions are for a new series for girls, verging on novels. 224 pages. To retail at 50 cents. I have called this line the Stella Strong stories, but they might also be called Diana Drew stories, Diana Dare stories, Nan Nelson stories, Nan Drew stories, or Helen Hale stories. Stella Strong, a girl of 16, is the daughter of a district attorney of many years standing. He is a widower and often talks over his affairs with Stella, and the girl was present during many interviews her father had with noted detectives and at the solving of many intricate mysteries. Then, quite unexpectedly, Stella plunged into some mysteries of her own and found herself wound up in a series of exciting situations. An up-to-date American girl at her best, bright, clever, resourceful, and full of energy. Welcome to the fourth episode of season two, The Detectives. Bum bum. bum. Of Type This Cast, the season where we take a close look at our favorite detective stories through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Becky. And I'm Janelle. This week, we're together again for, for the, the first, first time. time. Sorry, I had to. Young Frankenstein musical reference there. Um, but we're together again for the first time since our solo episodes. And we're taking a close look at the most famous of girl detectives, Nancy Drew. Well, let me just say, Janelle, it is great to be sitting across from you at this table again today, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I loved, nay, geeked out <laughs> in my solo episode getting the chance to talk about noir and hard-boiled mm -hmm. and those femme fatales Watch and those out. dangerous private dicks i missed having your face and voice to like talk to about it yeah most especially the ways in which we're able to have a dialogue mm -hmm. and hear your thoughts, your disagreements, mm -hmm. how much I love the conversation. Um, so I'm just glad to get to do that again and just feel so much joy. And it just feels like it's been a million years <laughs> since we really did Sherlock. Does. Yeah. Like that was a long time ago. So I'm so glad to be back together again. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, it was weird not having someone to bounce off of for my solo episode to just that information giving. Obviously, listener, we know you're there. Yes, clearly. But you're not sitting at the table with yeah. us, even though we wish you were. Exactly. There's a joy of conversation. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's been, gosh, so long since Sherlock and Watson and... John. Yeah, thank you. Holmes and Watson. <laughs> there um, it is. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, even though I've seen, oh my goodness, right now at work, we've had so many Sherlock stories, mm -hmm. not just Doyle, although we've had definitely some Doyle come in, we've had a lot of the spinoffs. Which is fun and interesting, including like the Anthony Horowitz mm. Moriarty mm -hmm. come across. And it's just so fun seeing how, like we talked about, mm -hmm. Sherlock will never die. 
nope, regardless he's... of Conan Doyle's attempts to do so. <laughs> yeah, no, he's alive and well. The fanfic still goes on. Yeah. People still think Sherlock is a thing. And let me just say, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Oh, totally. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, that being said, I think one of the fun uh, fallouts of all of my renewed Christie research I'm never not researching Christie yeah. but because I did it so much more for my episode I've had so much more show up in my various news feeds mm. about Christie lately mm-hmm. and I some of it is actually new which is so cool because there has while there have been adaptations like I mentioned that have been recent there hasn't been a lot of talk about Christie lately mm. but like there's even this fun Netflix mm-hmm. movie right now that's about those 11 missing days. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool interpretation. Mm-hmm. I just watched it like two days ago. Right? It was so good. Yeah. Just um, fun. Yeah. Just so much fun. And playing with, yeah, what did happen or what might have happened. Um, but I think I've been heartened, like we shared on Twitter with uh, anyone following along there seeing some of the people who are thinking critically mm-hmm. like I do about Christy mm-hmm. um, just because it's when you enjoy a book, mm-hmm. not us necessarily, but you, sometimes you don't want to think critically about mm-hmm. what's going on. And so I appreciate that there are people doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just thinking about all that good stuff. I, I love that we followed up golden age with, with noir as, oh, as do I it's just so good yeah at each other's throats a bit yes in a loving way <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've just I've been thinking a lot I'll mention some of this later mm-hmm. following up my foray back deeply into noir having my brain in that hard-boiled space that dark cynical perspective of the world and a lens of truth Mm -hmm. following that with nancy drew Mm -hmm. has been really interesting yes i've had to do some mental gymnastics to escape some of my cynicism and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later but um that has been an interesting journey (laughs) definitely even coming from golden age to nancy drew is We'll talk more about that later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, getting into the content a little bit. Mm-hmm. For those of you who just may not have any knowledge or have it's been a while since you've thought about, read, or experienced Nancy Drew, let's uh, give you a little background. Mm-hmm. She is the girl sleuth, as she is commonly known. And this series was first published in 1930 with the book we will be closely looking into today, The Secret of the Old Clock, being the first in the entire series. So it's a series of a disputed number ranging anywhere from 24 books in the series to 200 books in the series. Depending on whom you ask. Mm -hmm. It is a fun journey and Janelle is going to tell you a little more about that in a minute. But there are some really intriguing mysteries within this series regarding 
authorship mm-hmm. of Nancy Drew herself. So uh, if you know anything about Nancy Drew, she is also often grouped with her fellow sleuths, the Hardy Boys, the uh, male perspective mm-hmm. on the juvenile sleuth. Mm-hmm. Um, the novels have a very similar story with production, with time. Uh, they were published around the same time buy a lot of the same publishers and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, but we are focusing on our darling girl sleuth, Nancy Drew. So fun fact, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys are the brain children of a man named Edward Stratemeyer. Those are actually his words, which opened this episode, but there aren't words of his that you read in any of the Nancy Drew books. Another fun fact, there's no such author as Carolyn Keene. That is a pseudonym which was first used by a woman named Mildred Wirt Benson. She was a journalist who got her best scoops by listening in on the police scanner she kept at her desk. She was responsible for 23 of the first 56 Nancy Drew books. Although... For those other, of those first 56 alone, there were five other women who also took on the role of author or the name Carolyn Keene. And like Becky said, that's where some of the controversy and mystery comes from. Mm-hmm. Do you limit the series to just one of the authoresses of who took on the Carolyn Keene name? Or is it all of the things that have been b- published as Nancy Drew, because there's been so many books published. Mm-hmm. If you think 56 is a lot, <laughs> keep looking. There were Nancy Drew books published. They're probably still being published today, new stories, but they were definitely being published when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. The um, Considering there are so many more than those 56 written about Nancy, you can imagine how many others picked up the pen mm-hmm. and pen name, if you will, <laughs> since then. This week, like Becky mentioned, uh, we'll be using the text, The Secret of the Old Clock, which is the very first time that Nancy appeared in print. And we will be sticking to just Nancy Drew to type. Only one character, how we went from all of the Hundred Acre Wood and all of the Bennett family to one character, I'm not sure. But there you have it. (laughs) I feel pretty sure how we got there. Well, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) See previous notebooks of mine with copious notes and two hour long conversations. Yes. As limiting ourselves. (laughs) So yeah, today we are just typing Nancy. And before we do so, I do, as always, want to remind, for those of you playing along at home, of the monikers that we're working with and the short I statements for each Enneagram type that we use to type these characters in our casts. All right. Type one, the reformer. I do everything the right way. Type two, the befriender. I help others type three the motivator i am seen as successful type four 
the romantic. I am unique. Type five, the observer. I need to understand the world. Type six, the guardian. I need to be secure. Type seven, the enthusiast. I am happy and open to new things. Type eight, the challenger. I must be strong. Type nine, the peacemaker. I am agreeable. We've said it before. We'll say it until you're sick of hearing it, and then we'll keep saying it. Yeah, we will. Don't type the humans in your life. I don't care if you don't tell them or if you don't interact with them. There's a danger in even treating someone like they're a certain type because that's what's in your head. Let them go on this journey for themselves. Mm -hmm. That being said, Nancy may be on the fringes of our lives. We don't know her personally, even though there's stories still coming out, like we said with Sherlock. Fictional characters don't count. Exactly. We're not stealing her Enneagram journey from Ms. Nancy herself. Exactly. All right. It's time for the lightning round. Let's type this entire cast of characters, Janelle. This whole one character. Let's type them all. All right. Let's do it. All right. What say you? What type is Nancy Drew Girl Sleuth? Seven. Aha, interesting. I say two. All right. I hesitantly and with my heels dug into the grass as you pull me toward it, (laughs) say two. All right. I'm excited to hear your defense of this two. Okay. So I want to start by saying the reason I said all of that (laughs) is because two is the most stereotypically seen in culture as the number that a feminine female would be. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I find a character in literature that is a female two or a male eight, Mm -hmm. I pause. Mm -hmm. I say, hmm, is that a social construct in my brain? Yeah. (laughs) Or are they actually the thing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll talk a little later about my experiences reading Nancy Drew this time. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to be said about that. And that's some of what sort of caused my stubborn, she will be anything but a two. Yeah. But then I kept reading. Mm -hmm. And then I kept reading. Uh (laughs) And then I kept reading. And then I got to the last page. Uh And I was like, fine. It's true. For more than just... Typical femininity. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other reasons that we get yeah. in my mind as I read this that I think make her relate to two more than any other number. Mm-hmm. Though I did for a minute think six. Yeah. Um, because of some of the just like noticing danger and like fear. Mm-hmm. But then I processed and I was like, well, it's fear for others well-being it's coming from a motivation of helping others mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I landed on that. So that's sort of like the overarching 20,000 foot view. Yeah. Um, to start with, 
what what we see of Nancy and her reasons for sleuthing. This is her first case. Yeah. So we're getting a little bit of her backdrop. Mm-hmm. We're getting why she's jumping into this. Um, and so my first quotation is kind of about that mm-hmm. from someone who knows her very well. All right. Mind you, we take other people's words about someone with a grain of salt. Yes. But as Nancy starts being intrigued by this case, finding a will, a second will that was misplaced, mm-hmm. shall we say, who even knows where in the secret of the old clock where that will could be hidden. Right? I have no idea where it is. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but as she's stepping into this mystery, her father, Mr. Drew, the district attorney of the town, very moral, very good, very trustworthy gent that everybody comes to with all of their problems. Of course. Says to his beloved daughter... Don't become too deeply involved in this matter, dear. In your zeal to help other people, you may forget to be on your guard. Mm. So his really deep awareness of his daughter that the reason she stepped into this case Mm -hmm. was to help others, Mm. not to solve the crime, Mm -hmm. not to catch the guy the bad guy but because she saw some people in pain Mm. that she could help and she will do whatever it takes at the detriment to herself Mm. and her own safety Mm. in order to solve the crime to help them to make their lives better and i think it's just very aware of mr drew to see that in his daughter i mean he's had her for 18 years according to this book later Uh books contest that but we won't get into extra textual conversations yet Mm -hmm. um but yeah and so then we see as she steps into the case we see so many scenarios of nancy just bending over backwards in ridiculous ways in but really beautiful ways Mm -hmm. to help these folks that she is on a case to solve she is helping them in order to get them the inheritance they were owed. Mm -hmm. And that is what she is on the case to do. Yeah. To do that thing. But she shows up at their homes and she, for the Hoover girls who are poor, she sets up piano or not piano lessons, voice lessons rather with a very famous um, voice teacher outside of the spectrum she even goes to pick them up and drive them into town for their meeting Mm -hmm. she goes to and the ailing old woman mrs rowan who is also owed money finds that she is laid up on the couch because she's uh hurt herself but she has no medical insurance and no one to care for her she's been all on her own so nancy helps her she walks in the house to say hi i'm nancy drew i'm here to help you is how she introduces herself And then she buys her an entire house of groceries. Mm -hmm. She checks in with every neighbor and finds neighbors to check in on Mrs. Rowan. Mm -hmm. And then she continues about the case. Like it's all of these bending over backwards, going to extremes Mm -hmm. for these folks to meet the needs she sees, feels, and perceives. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next quote I'm going to actually read 
is just after Nancy has solved the case, mm-hmm. she found, spoiler alert, she finds the lost will. <gasps> it's in the clock. What? Shocking state of affairs. It's in the old clock? Well, to, uh, fine. The will's not in the clock. It's a key. <laughs> it's a key to get the will. Yes. Spoiler alert. Um, too late. Uh, but she has found it, and she reveals it to everyone. Mm-hmm. She begged for the ability to be the one to give them all the good news to meet their needs. And we have this quotation from the Hoover girls. Oh, Nancy, I can hardly believe it yet. Allison declared happily. The money means so much to Grace and me, and we owe it all to you, Nancy Drew. You haven't told us how you came to find the will, but I know you were responsible. Hmm. And then a little bit later, she, or Grace says, We'll never be able to thank you enough, Grace said quietly, but after the estate has been settled, we'll try to show our appreciation. It was on the tip of Nancy's tongue to say that she did not want a reward, when Mr. Drew turned the conversation into a different channel. Hmm. So we have so many things there that just point like neon sign blinking to two in mm-hmm. that. We have what I am lovingly calling catnip for a two <laughs> yes. in that. So what the way the um, Enneagram Institute talks about twos the phrase they give that represents twos Mm -hmm. is i try to be loved by loving Mm. and so the words from allison there's no way we could repay you i don't know how you did it but i know it was you who was trying to help us who was trying to solve this for us and so that is that is why Nancy is doing this Mm -hmm. um is the like to meet other people's needs but because twos often feel the way that they are worthy of love, the way that they accept love, the way that they experience love even is by meeting other people's needs and people recognizing that. So it makes perfect sense to me that the follow up to that Mm -hmm. where they offer when they get the inheritance to pay her, Nancy would be like, "Uh, no, yeah, like God, no, because that would devalue their valuing of her. Mm -hmm. Also, she just fought really hard to help them get the money. Yeah. And I love once again, Mr. Drew knowing his daughter. And so she did not have to hurt their feelings Mm -hmm. and like, feel like, Oh, do they have a need to pay me? Like, do I need to meet that need now too? Mm. Whereas Mr. Drew just, changes the conversation mm-hmm. so they don't feel like they have to pay her she doesn't feel like she has to say no no don't don't you know and not that that's what it would be it would be another like no i'm meeting more of your needs use it for your lessons buy more farmland or cows or whatever i don't mm-hmm. know they farm yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i just i loved that picture and i think too it, this is one of the spaces that was really interesting for me following up from Marlowe. Yeah. Because what Philip Marlowe is famous for is what he charges. Everyone knows if you know Marlowe at all, you know he charges $25 in expenses. Yeah. And that's because to charge more, to like cash in on the debauched world would be wrong. Mm-hmm. But He's got to make money somehow. Yeah. And so, but it's all about morality and he won't take more than that. He does sometimes then he ends up giving it to better causes and things like that, that 
is undermining the wrong of the system. Mm-hmm. But we have Nancy doing a similar thing, like not accepting money, but for a completely different reason, that it's to meet needs, yeah. to help others. I mean, Marlo might in this scenario too, one could make an argument, but just seeing that difference between a one and a two mm-hmm. in a very similar scenario of getting paid. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. And um, I am going to trespass on your patience one <laughs> more time because I think I have a ringer All right. to end that only just really showed itself to me as a ringer mm-hmm. like an hour or so before we started recording. Because I was like, oh, no, this makes sense. And then I really read it. And it is like textbook two mm. experience. So it's at the very end, the very last page, Mm -hmm. following up from that conversation I just read you. Speaking of Nancy, she said she was too modest to explain to Allison and Grace why she would prize the heirloom. And besides, her feeling was something she could not put into words. Actually, she had become attached to the clock because of its association with her recent adventure. So... The Hoover girls end up giving Nancy the old clock in which the will was found. This thing that she fought so hard to find and track down and was locked in a closet to get. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the only form of payment she accepts. And it's because she values it. Mm-hmm. Because it was this case that she solved on her own. Mm. But Twos, so one of the things about a two is because they're meeting everyone's needs, because they're feeling everything for everyone else, they're the least aware of their own feelings. Mm. And right there, we have an explanation that she didn't even know. She said her feeling was something she could not put into words. Mm-hmm. So she she would prize this heirloom above everything, mm-hmm. but she didn't. She couldn't really say why it mattered so much to her specifically. Mm -hmm. And then we delineate it out. And it's because it was the first case she solved on her own, her first adventure. Mm -hmm. But that is very focused on herself, which twos do not want to do. They are not loved by focusing on themselves. They want to focus on others, meet others' needs. Mm -hmm. So I just love that that's the end, but that she does accept it. Mm -hmm. That because she knows that they really want to offer her something for helping them. Um, And I just saw just this beautiful space of a two accepting love while still narrativizing that it's to meet their need, but yeah. just unaware of why it mattered so much, but that it did. Yeah. So there you have it. Nancy Drew. Two. <laughs> you did that just to rhyme. I might have done that to rhyme. <laughs> um, I'm going to be completely honest. I also initially came to it and figured... As soon as I started reading, Nancy's going to be a two. Unfortunately, because of those societal mm-hmm. expectations on femininity and a lot of, for better or for worse, what the book is doing. <laughs> um, we'll get into more of that later. Yep. Um, but because of that, um, like I've done in the past, I wanted to... To dig in and see if I could find another motivation. 
Um, and like I said, I am currently defending, although I don't disagree with you mm-hmm. about the two-ness. I'm excited to hear seven, though. I'm currently defending Nancy is a seven. I'm very willing to be uh, dissuaded. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do here. Um, so honestly, the, one of the reasons I landed on seven, um, actually has to do with starting at two. Um, Mm. like we've talked, I imagine we've talked about it on the podcast before. If we haven't, everyone go listen to sleeping at last Enneagram number Mm. songs. Mm -hmm. Do it. Um, Please do it. One of the beauties of the two, uh, is that they are a force to be reckoned with. Heck yeah, they are. Like, Ryan says in the song about twos and I was thinking yeah but so are a lot of other people Mm. (laughs) and so I started thinking about stances Um, and in the Enneagram the stances are aggressive dependent and withdrawing and the aggressive stance numbers are seven eight and three mm-hmm. the dependent are one two and six mm-hmm. and the withdrawing are four five and nine um just to give you guys a little bit of overview about stances um and this is particularly in um relational spaces mm-hmm. aggressive stances are the ones n- they are not yes eights can be sort of more actually aggressive but they aren't like attacking you aggressive mm-hmm. they're just going at you they're coming towards you they're actively moving toward yes yeah. um dependent they're not helpless for they're not only relying on someone else mm-hmm. they are going alongside mm. that is what um is often spoken of as that dependent stance the two the one and the six they come alongside um withdrawing we're not running away mm-hmm. it's just to engage with ourselves mm-hmm. in order to engage with the world again mm-hmm. um sometimes it's not healthy either when we withdraw but it's yeah. and it's not healthy when the aggressive folks get aggressive or the dependent folks get more dependent it's just that's how we interact mm-hmm. with the world and with each other janelle says we because we are both withdrawing types yes just for those of you who aren't following along as closely yes (laughs) um the so i went there and i looked at the other um dependent and aggressive stances nancy is most certainly not a withdrawing stance nope not at all and so immediately i was able to rule out those three types Mm -hmm. um and so then i went and i spent some time looking at um at six and at one she's not a one there's too much that she isn't ever doing the wrong thing and there Mm -hmm. are some things where she is very Mm -hmm. much trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. but that's never her primary motivation Mm -hmm. and i definitely spent some time sitting with six too thinking Mm -hmm. well maybe but what struck me there was she is not thinking through mm-hmm. all of the exit strategies, all of the worst case scenarios. She gets locked in a closet and then she barely makes it out of a van because she hasn't had a plan. Mm-hmm. A six would know where all of the emergency exits are and mm-hmm. how to get out of those situations. And would have come up with a plan to escape before attempting 
and breaking into a van even before that would have been prepared had her convertible uh top malfunctioned in a rainstorm that's so true that's a great example of that (laughs) yeah and in case you guys wondering nancy gets stuck in a rainstorm with the convertible on her car the top down anyway on the upside she meets the hoovers exactly it all works out um so then i moved into the aggressive stance arena um again mostly because i was avoiding too um and she is not an eight she is a force to be reckoned with but she's not she doesn't care about being controlled. Mm-hmm. Not that anyone is trying to. She is definitely an, an independent human, mm-hmm. but she is not opposed to being with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and she's not as concerned about how the world sees her Mm-mm. as a three would be. No, she seems to not care about that. Yeah. And so I landed on seven. Um, working through those stances and started to investigate it from there. Um, Obviously we've typed a few characters as seven before, um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the seven too. We call them uh, the enthusiast and have said that they are happy and open to new things. Mm -hmm. And while that covers a part of it, something you need to know about sevens is that their need is to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that they do this is by going and adventuring and doing those new things. One of the ways, um, oh, sorry, uh, which one of the ways that uh, Nancy falls into that space is there's this sudden adventure. Wait. There might be a second will. Mm. Wh- what? Mm. <laughs> Let's go find out. Uh huh. Is a way that you can see some of that sevenness in there. Yes, it's very much to help these people who are having a hard time. But you mean I have to go play detective? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of feels some of her her motivation there. Um, another way that the seven avoids the pain is by constantly reframing the situations in their lives it's said that sevens have a pocket full of silver lining for every cloud they encounter and not unlike what becky just said about the actual clouds nancy encountered mm-hmm. she met great new friends yep by being caught in this rainstorm um to be clear that was my silver lining yes <laughs> <laughs> um but there, true. there are many times on this adventure that you even pointed one out mm-hmm. that Nancy's father or other people in the story tried to dissuade her from pursuing mm-hmm. the will or from getting her hopes up. Mm-hmm. But Nancy is endlessly hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like a seven, she not only finds a silver lining, she believes it's there and keeps pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the examples... Uh, is actually just before they may or may not find the whale towards the end. They do. Um, I already spoiled that. It's fine. They know. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Mr. Drew says, You must remember one thing, Nancy, returned her father calmly. Crowley was an odd person and did things in an odd way. A will may be there, and again, it may not. He then tells her sort of a convoluted story that he heard about another eccentric person who set a will, who led his heirs on a wild goose chase, basically, (laughs) 
But Nancy responds to all of that with, at least they found the will. Uh-huh. And you're just like, really? That's what you got out of <laughs> this? It's not, oh, you're right, Dad. This might not be easy to find, but they still found it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Hope is not lost. <laughs> no, never for Nancy. Um, so that's sort of my primary space is okay. that endless optimism in Nancy. Um, I like it. The other thing is something that you referenced also, which uh, it's not really a subplot because it's related, but it is whatever. It's Nancy trying to get those singing lessons for Allison. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though sevens aren't in the heart triad, you wouldn't know it by looking at most of them. Um, There are so many sevens who are just it's part of that effervescence of the hope they're just so excited and they're mm. so fun and they they love and gift well mm. um they do everything big and they love making surprises happen and the way Nancy sets up that meeting with Signor Mascani mm-hmm. and Allison is just so perfect um it's that big exciting space and if you don't believe me about sevens and gifts go read love does by bob goff oh my goodness who is a self-avowed seven um so true the best example and he just talks like every story is about exciting someone even when they didn't want a surprise or a big to do it's just what he it's just he to dud he, yeah, he did odd. <laughs> and that that just felt very sevenish there. And honestly, so much of what Nancy's doing in pursuing the will, yes, it is to help these people, but it's also this, how can we do this to make this fun and exciting too? Mm-hmm. So mind you, like I said, I pursued seven out of a space of trying to avoid the two typing because I just didn't want Nancy to be a two. <laughs> but I can see that there are ways in which, um, and like we say all the time, fictional characters aside, every human contains all nine types. Yes, we just absolutely show and or relate more strongly with one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's easy to see how you get there mm-hmm. um that being said um that's my defense for nancy as a seven typing her i'm not gonna lie becky this book was difficult oh oh was it yeah tell tell me more janelle so i i might have some <laughs> thoughts on the difficulty yeah I, Why was it difficult for you? That sounded really yeah, cynical no, and terrible me. <laughs> I remember loving and devouring mm-hmm. the Nancy Drew books. Me as well. As a yep. little girl. Yep. Um, I was in, I really, re- I remember exactly where they were in the library in my elementary school because I spent so much time going back and forth, returning them and checking them out. That's awesome. Um, me too. And... They they brought me so much joy and they really did influence so much of what I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. The the pursuing of mysteries and 
writing them and my master's degree is uh-huh. all on Christy. Um, and I don't know if it's just, you know, grown up cynicism or coming from having spent some time with Christy for my solo episode or noir listening to your solo episode. But uh, that first chapter threw me right out. <laughs> tell, tell me more. What threw you out about that very first chapter? That very first chapter, Nancy does this heroic thing. She saves a little girl who's fallen off of a bridge into a um, shallow creek space, whatever's yeah. happening. She tripped over a wall. Exactly. <laughs> Takes a little girl into her into the into her home and immediately is met by both wariness from mm-hmm. the ants which flips too quickly really into quickly. come in have tea with us let us feed you things let us tell you our sob story uh-uh, and that's how you get poisoned that's how you get poisoned or how you get conned and i'm just yeah. like nancy get out of there these are lies they are lying to you <laughs> I felt the exact same way. (laughs) They must have an ulterior motive. The world is a dark, evil place where evil people do evil things. No one is straightforward coming from noir. And especially with Christy, where it's the least likely person often to do it. I'm like, no, these sweet, kind old ladies are not sweet and kind old ladies. (laughs) It will kill you. (laughs) And so it was just so bad because at the same time in my brain, I was like, but that's that's not how Nancy Drew works. They're actually this sweet. They're straightforward. Everyone is black and white, good or bad. Like, uh, okay. At the end, I was so confused because I was expecting all of the twists to come. Exactly. Want to expect from Christy and Mm -hmm. from Chandler and the like. And I was like, oh, nope. It was in the clock. Yeah. (laughs) And there was a will. Yes. And no one got dead. No. But it's but like it's a children's yes. story is something that I have to keep focusing in on. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of the the ways in which you and I have even talked about uh, middle reader or young adult fiction mm-hmm. these days, um, the main character's age is not indicative of the reader's age right absolutely for this particularly this i mean i of course i should know i was reading it in lower middle elementary school i was not an 18 year old yeah um no had i been it would have been a very different experience i imagine i would not have enjoyed this at 18 i don't think no um (laughs) Which is sad. And it I makes think- me feel sad. I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm denigrating it because I do still, I felt a lot of joy yes. just going back through. But mm-hmm. oh, man, there is part of me that wants to read uh, one of the one of the other ones mm-hmm. because I feel like. Like one of the other authors? No, oh. just uh, potentially one of the, because I remember. Because I was wondering about that too. Yeah, I, I did think about that. Um I remember a later, a much later one. It must have been published in the 90s. Uh, Nancy Drew's story that was very different mm. um, from this. I don't remember it well, but it was the most recent one since other than this one that I had read. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, but I was thinking still an early one, potent, probably even one of Mildred's uh, that... 
felt more nefarious. Mm. And so I sort of want to go investigate now. Yeah, and we can ask questions about a first book in a series. Yes. For um, trying to be more appealing at the beginning. Yeah. Thinking about that quote that we opened this episode with about all of the things Nancy slash Stella slash Nan yeah. will do. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing people into that might be part of why it's so good and evil, straightforward mm-hmm. and not. Um, yeah. Were, were there any other thoughts that really struck you about Nancy Drew? Um, there have been on and off, but that's for better or for worse. What stuck with me for most of this is just how unfortunately Nancy didn't grow up with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you have already noted, I I struggled (laughs) (laughs) because I too read these as a young Probably third, fourth grader, Mm -hmm. somewhere around that. Yeah. I had my grandmother's Mm. entire set from her childhood. So the original, however many there were. I don't remember how many she had. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I read hers. So there was like this connection to that, too, that my grandmother grew up with these and loved them. And so I was just there to love them because my grandmother was a strong independent amazing woman mm-hmm. and so clearly nancy drew makes those of course <laughs> um, and i felt that yeah. reading them there was nothing like i just loved them yeah and now looking back gosh there were times that it was so hard for me to get through this yes for a multiplicity of reasons but the biggest thing i think for me is things I've referred to already is those descriptors that are so disgusting about femininity. Mm -hmm. Like dear listener, let me actually read you the opening of this book. Mm -hmm. It opens with Nancy drew an attractive girl of 18 was driving home along a country road in her new dark blue convertible. The first thing they have to say about Nancy in order to get you to read this story is that she is attractive. Mm -hmm. It's not a description of the way that she looks to tell you that. No. She is attractive. Yeah. And that continues. It always, it continues to talk about she was elegantly dressed and describe her whole outfit, which has nothing to do with the scene. Uh Uh-huh. And it just felt like that, like... In order to justify a girl sleuth, which is what she's called, Mm -hmm. we have to make her beautiful because beauty is virtue for a woman. And I just struggled with that so much. Mm -hmm. But something else I've been thinking about a lot is the year that this was published. In my head... Nancy Drew is from the 50s, mm-hmm. which is really ridiculous because my grandmother was young in the 30s. <laughs> so, yeah, let's put that aside. That I was wrong. But like when I think about this book was published in 1930, which mm-hmm. means it was being written in at least 29, if yeah. not sooner. And in 1929, you have the stock market crash leading into the Great Depression. So one of the things that stood out to me in this book mm-hmm. was money. Yeah. Affluence, spending money willy nilly in this book. And the entire text 
is about a mystery involving a will and people who have been taken advantage of and not gotten their inheritance and are now suffering and poor mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Which is something that I think a contemporary to the text reader would have related to. But then you have Nancy, the heroine, who she spends money like it's water. Yeah. And she is always buying clothes. She just travels whenever she feels like it. She buys an entire house of groceries and has them delivered for somebody to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. She is like throwing away gas all over the place by driving all over town. Mm -hmm. And I was just so struck by that. Yeah. And really thinking like what would the reader in 1930 have felt about that? Yeah. Would that have felt unaware or like, (laughs) you know, how do you not know what the world is like? But then you have the juxtaposition of the people who are suffering and this person with money trying to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And then I wondered about the value of escapism in literature, because I think in spite of that being used often as a bad word, I think that there's value in it. Certainly. Um, when life is really hard. Um, so sort of like the antithesis to noir, right? Mm-hmm. When life is really hard, sometimes you want something that's like a dream and escape. Like, oh, look, there she is. She can buy groceries for yeah. other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not just herself. She gets to go do all these things that maybe the readers could do. Mm-hmm. So that has just really stood out to me. And thinking about, you know, I sitting in the space where I think she's a two, mm-hmm. using her resources to meet other needs that is such a beautiful value in a two. Definitely. That in this time was desperately needed. Yes. You know, in the 30s, those with resources needed to be helping people. I also found it resonant mm-hmm. that there are sisters in this story whose last name is Hoover. Yes. The name of El Presidente. Yep. And Hooverville fame and yeah. all of the like. And if that had any resonance there. Mm-hmm. So... I found some interest in this book, but it was so hard to get through and just such a different experience. And maybe it is like adult cynicism. Maybe it is because I've lived more and I see more. And maybe I was entrenched in those social constructs when I was nine, Uh (laughs) Um, you know, of what femininity looks like. But Mm -hmm. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. I had the thought, too, that I after finishing it, especially thinking of the time period, one of the things that, again, here we go with Christy, that makes it difficult for me to accept Nancy and her world is Tuppence Beresford. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tuppence and Tommy. I love Tommy and Tuppence start so much. investigating mysteries out of sheer necessity. It's yeah. just, it's not just, it's pretty close after World War One, mm-hmm. they uh, have both served, but now neither of them can find a steady job. Mm-hmm. Um, and while they came from families that were a little better off before, times are hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a pretty whimsical way to go about making your money by advertising to solve mysteries mm-hmm. and go on adventures. But they still face what feels like a lot more real world, even though it is still 
very fantastical in the adventures they go on. It's this other space. And so thinking about particularly a young woman in a similar time period mm-hmm. having adventures that are that have more depth. <laughs> yeah. I wonder too, like I was just thinking about she has lived a very privileged life aside mm-hmm. from losing her mother. Yeah. She has been fairly sheltered from the pain in the world. Yeah. And I was just like, I just had this connection to Lord Peter Whimsey, the oh. Dorothy L. Sayers mm-hmm. character, who is the sevenest seven that ever sevened. Mm-hmm. A great example. And seeing him as a connection to Nancy actually convinces me a little bit more that she might be a seven mm-hmm. is... You know, he is dealing with the darkness by being whimsical and over the top, but because he has a lot of money and he can do all of these things and he's solving crimes as sort of like a fun little like diverting exercise. Yes. Which is what Nancy's doing, too, because it's I see that it's an adventure. It's a fun thing to do with my time because I'm just a woman who doesn't really have anything to do with her time now that she's done with school. Yeah. So there could be the diversion the excitement, the adventure. Mm -hmm. And as that sort of like privileged space of not really being aware of the problems as of yet. Yeah. Because it's only 1929, 1930. That's fair. And it wasn't completely widespread the pain yet. So she's, and so she saw her first instance of that kind of pain Mm -hmm. and she instantly tried to do something mm. and that could be two or seven yeah so maybe i'm a little more convinced by like that privilege and her dad being the da and we see he's always protecting her the examples i gave oh, are him like oh don't feel any pain like and that could be seven like don't feel any pain <laughs> yeah. she won't like it uh-huh um yeah i suppose i'm stepping more into the world of nancy as we talk about yeah. it like being more convinced that there is something worthwhile and possibly crunchy here. Definitely. But I just wish there was less. And it is of a time, but I just wish there was less sexism. Yeah. I could do with less sexism in my Nancy Drew, yes. the girl detective. Certainly. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, dear listener, for joining us for this dive into this world of Nancy Drew. As you can tell, we are having a lot of fun with this season on The Detectives. Bum, bum. So stay tuned for our next episode, the season finale, folks. (gasps) We've reached almost the end Mm -hmm. where, you guys, I'm so excited. We are going to take a look at one of just my all-time favorite TV detectives, Veronica Mars, played by none other than Kristen Bell. Mm -hmm. So excited. Yep. All right. Well, as always, we really want to thank Matthew Ziganis for use of his music. Uh, Check out his stuff. He is working on a new album, um, but his current stuff is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the usual places. Um, And thank you to our tech wizard, Joel Miller. And of course, we want to especially thank you, dear listener, We seriously love doing all of this and having you along for this literary and cinematic Enneagram journey. We couldn't do it without you. No, indeed. And speaking of how you can come along this journey with us, find us on the social meds. 
Find us on Twitter, Instagram at at typethiscast. And you can always email us your thoughts at typethiscast at gmail.com to continue the conversation. Tell us what you think of Nancy Drew. Have you reread it recently? Mm-hmm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review Type This Cast on iTunes or any of your podcast listening apps or whatnot. And let us know what you think. It helps other people find us and means more voices in the conversation. Yes, it does. And tell your friends. Word of mouth is still one of the best ways, even for podcasts with all the algorithms and everything. Word of mouth is still Mm -hmm. how I find most of my podcasts. Mm -hmm. And we want to, you know, have more people on this Enneagram journey. We sure do. All right, and we will leave you today once again and as always Mm -hmm. with the ineffable words of Neil Gaiman from his magical poem instructions. Trust dreams, trust your heart, and trust your story. 